We are continuing a sermon series uh, that when we started last week, Pastor Didi started for us here in Thrive. We are continuing a sermon series called Salty People. Uh, salty people. This is a fun series and I think a really important series. You know, we know that salty people, those people who are uh, maybe just a little bit rude, you know, those people that are just a little bit more difficult to get along with than other people, we call them salty. You ever walked away from a conversation with somebody and, you know, you looked at your significant other or something like that and you said, whew, they're salty. You know, this is, this, th- that's the people that we are talking about this morning and how to deal in those situations. And, uh, but we also know We also know that uh, Jesus has called his followers salt. Uh, He says in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, as he concludes that sermon, he says, if you do these things that I said to you, uh, Matthew 5 through 7, he gives all of these kind of lessons. He says, these are my people look like this. And then at the end of that, he says, if you do all of this, you will be like salt in that you, you stand out in the world. Right? You know if you put too much salt in something, right? It immediately hits you. You know that. But also in the time of Jesus, salt was a preserving agent. It saved things. It preserved things. And so Jesus says that is what my followers are like. So not only are we talking about how to deal with difficult people, how to interact with them, how to deal with difficult situations, how to deal with conflict, we are also learning about how in that we deal with conflict, the way we deal with conflict causes us to stand out. In the world. And this is, you know, at no time more important than today. Right? You know, I was having a a conversation with my my father in law, and I, you know, and I said, you know, with politics today, everything's so divisive. You know, when was the last time, was there ever a time that you seen the, you know, our nation so divided? And his comment to me, of course, it was one person's opinion, but his comment to me was the Vietnam War. So I haven't, I haven't seen the likes of this in, in a very, very long time. And I believe that Jesus' followers will stand out in these important ways in which we deal with conflict. Because the rest of the world seems to be settled in their divisiveness. And I believe Christians are those people who are called to stand in that gap. To bridge that gap. For the world. You know, there's this, this problem we have with conflict. You know, we, we avoid conflict. And, and this morning, we're going to talk about how to not only deal with conflict, but how to deal with it in the church. How to deal with it in the church. And, and this is really, really important stuff, y'all. Because, you know, so many times we, we kind of look for a church and, and we try to avoid that conflict, especially in the church. You know, sometimes um, we, we, you know, try to avoid it. And sometimes we try to avoid it in really like inappropriate ways. Like we avoid um, conflict and, and instead we opt for passive aggression. You ever seen that? I grew up in a small church and, and, and I think our church majored in passive aggression, right? We thought somehow that passive aggression was more polite than actual conflict. Anybody else ever seen this happen? You know, I can't talk to them to their face. You know, that would be, that would be inappropriate, but I will definitely talk to Susie about that person, right? Like, like, you know, somehow we think that passive aggression is more polite than actual conflict. And, and, and what we are called to do as a church is actually address it. But sometimes we avoid conflict so much so that when we see conflict happen in the church, we, we leave the church, you know, and we say, well, I, I want to be a part of a church that, you know, like doesn't have conflict. I want to be a part of a church, you know, that, that isn't having these kind of squabbles, that isn't having this thing. And, 
And we have these problems. And sometimes, again, when we deal with conflict, we deal with it in inappropriate ways. And, and one of the ways we deal with it is gossip. Man, gossip. I got to tell you, gossip is one of the things that will kill a church. Let me tell you this. Gossip is a disease in the body of Christ. And we just have to address this, friends. And, and I'm not trying to call anybody out. I know this might make us a little uncomfortable, but I, I got to tell you, gossip is literally a disease in the body of Christ. If you think about an autoimmune disease, right? Somebody has an autoimmune disease. What does that mean? It means that the, the things that are supposed to protect the body, these antibodies, are actually attacking the body. Right? If somebody has an autoimmune disease, it means that the, the things that are meant to protect the body from outside forces are actually the very thing that are attacking the body. And I see the same thing happen in gossip. That these things that are supposed to preserve the church, the things that are supposed to protect the church, us, we end up doing more harm to the church when we gossip. And it's a really terrible thing, and I, and I hope to be able to address it in, in, in a loving but direct way this morning. Friends, I want to let you know that, that conflict is going to exist, and conflict exists because we exist. You're not going to find a church, friends, that doesn't have conflict in it. We just got to be honest about this. And, and again, if that makes you uncomfortable, I am sorry. But, but you know, if, if we leave this church because we're looking for a place that doesn't have conflict, then we're going to find the next place we go. Because conflict exists because we exist. But here's the good news. All right, I'm going to give it to you up front. This is, this is the disclaimer this morning, all right? So if you're, you've been feeling a little bit down this morning, I want to tell you the good news about this. That the church's healthy conflict resolution reflects the power of Christ. Yes, conflict exists because we exist, but whenever we address conflict in a healthy way, that tells the world about the power of Christ. Say, yeah, we had this conflict, but we were able to address it and not only address it, but to grow from it. And, and we did that not because of our power, but because of the power of Christ. And my hope, my prayer is, is that it, as we talk about conflict this morning, that there might be something that comes up in the back of your mind. There might be a conversation that you have with somebody even within the church this morning. And you said, you know what, I, we've got to address that. And I hope, my pray that when we address that, when we resolve that conflict, that that, that might be a signal to people on the outside as they look in and says, there's something different about these people. There is something different about these people who claim Jesus Christ as their Savior that they actually are able to resolve these differences that they have. And friends, the way we do that in the church reflects the power of Christ. And so I'm going to give us like three ways in which we can address conflict this morning. And if you're somebody who likes to write things down, I'd encourage you to do this. If you're at home and you've got a, a pen and paper with you, I, I encourage you to practice this. If you type things in your phone and, um, you know, if you're like me, I have like a million notes in my phone. Somebody else do this. And then I look back on my notes and I'm like, I don't even remember writing that. But, but anyways, the, if, um, don't do that, all right? Don't do that this morning. Actually, remember this one. But um, so I'm going to give you three things, three ways in which we can address conflict, all right, this morning. And I think this is true whether we believe in Jesus or not. Maybe you're, you're here this morning or you're watching online and you're not sure what you know about Christ. I think this is important for all of us. All right? And I encourage you just to practice it. Try it and see if it works out for you. The, the first thing is this. On how to address conflict, the first thing is this. Know what you love. Know what you love. You know, as Christians, people who claim... Jesus Christ is our Savior, our intention is to love Jesus Christ. 
and to put our whole trust in his grace. That's, that's our intention. But sometimes that doesn't come always out the way we planned it would. And sometimes we end up coming to church and, and we end up kind of like adding church on top of everything else that we claim allegiance to. You know, we'll say, I'll, I'll go to church and I'll add this as long as it doesn't change these other things, right? Like, like as long as it doesn't influence my other passions, my other loves, then I'll go to church. But as soon as it starts messing in these other areas of my life and actually asking me to change these other pieces of my life, then I'm, then I'm out. Friends, I, before you ever address conflict, I encourage you to, to highly and deeply consider what is it that you love? What is it that you love? Uh, James K.A. Smith says this in in his book, You Are What You Love. I strongly recommend this book to you. He says this, "Um, We learn to love then not primarily by acquiring information about what we should love, but rather through practices that form habits of how we love. What does that mean? What you do is what you love. What you do is what you love. So many times we think that, you know, like if we're going to be a Christian, we have to like, you know, pull in like every Bible study that we've ever taken a part of, you know, and, and Christians are really good about studying the Bible. Sometimes we're not so good about putting it into action, but knowing what we love is not about knowing what we've learned, but about considering what we've practiced. It is about actually looking at our habits, our actions, Here's the thing about conflict. If we are going to address conflict within the church, we have to deeply consider what we love. Because if we love our political party over the church, if we love our ideology over the church, if we love our money, our job, if we love anything else over the church, then we are doomed from the start when it comes to addressing conflict within the church, friends. But as we come together, as If we are going to work out conflict, we better make sure that the number one thing that we love most in this world is Jesus Christ and his grace. What he has done for us. That Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. While we were still active in our sin, Paul says in Romans, while we were still active in our sin, Christ died for us. And if we don't love that beyond everything else, then we can never resolve our conflict within the church. Because we are always going to put something else above that conflict. Because the church is not where, a place where everybody agrees on every single thing. A church is a place that people come together and worship despite their political differences despite their financial differences, despite every other difference that the world might throw at us, we agree on the fact that we love Jesus. And we will do anything to share that love with other people. So the first thing I'd encourage you to do is consider, if you're going to ever resolve conflict in the church, is to deeply consider what do you love. And again, what you do is what you love. James K.A. Smith tells us, and you are what you love. The second thing is this. As we work out conflict, I'm going to encourage you to do this. Uh, And it's not just me. It's actually a guy named Jesus. But um, work out conflict at the source is the second thing. I encourage you to write that down. Commit that to memory. Work out conflict at the source. So many times we have a conflict and what we want to do is we want to triangulate somebody into that conflict. And when we say, you won't believe what this person said to me and and they said this to me and, and they did all this, Jesus says not to do that. Jesus says to work out conflict at the source. 
And he says this in Matthew 18. I'm going to start in verse 15. If you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to, to use it this morning. If you're at home, I encourage you to use your Bible. Maybe it's on your phone, however you engage with it. Jesus says this in Matthew 18. If another member of the church, another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. This seems revolutionary today, right? If, if somebody has done something that's hurt you, go talk to them. Go talk to them. And as we talk, there, there are six important words that we must remember. As we talk, there are six, probably the most important words in any relationship um, we could ever have. And they are, uh, they are this, I am sorry and I forgive you. Jackie, can we put that up on the screen? We're going we're gonna to leave this up on the screen for just a little bit because I have a feeling this makes some of us a little uncomfortable. I want to encourage you to turn somebody next to you and say, I am sorry. Okay, you didn't do it here. I don't know if you guys did it online or not, but we're going to try it again. You ready? We're going to turn to each other, look at each other, look at somebody else across the room if you're sitting and say, I am sorry. You did it. I am sorry. And it's not I am sorry, but... Right? It's not, I am sorry, but you shouldn't have been offended. It's, you know, it's not, I, it is, I am sorry. I did something wrong. I did something wrong. And whenever somebody says that to you, when somebody says, I am sorry to you, the correct response is not, I know you are. Right? I know, I know you guys have never done that before. I, 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 I know. We are all good Christians here. We had, I don't know about you at home, but we had some guffaws this morning here in, in person. It, 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 is, it is not, yeah, I'm sure you are. Right? It, it is not this passive-aggressive response. The, the appropriate response to I am sorry is I forgive you. I forgive you. Turn to somebody and say I forgive you. Very good, church. I am sorry and I forgive you. When we do this with each other, when we practice this with each other, we are representing what Christ has done for us, that we have turned to Christ and said, I am sorry. And Jesus has looked at us and said, I forgive you. But Jesus says, you will be forgiven in the amount to which you have forgiven others. And so the most important thing that we can do as Christians is to look at somebody and say, I am sorry. And when somebody says, I am sorry to us, say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Jesus continues in Matthew 18, verse 16, and says, but if you are not listened to, so if you go to somebody and, and you try to work it out with them and, and, and it works, then great, you have regained that person, but if not, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Notice what Jesus does not say. Jesus does not say, if you go and try to work it out with them, just give up. Right? We've worked up our courage and, and you know, we've, we, we've worked everything up in our bodies to try to go and work out that conflict. And then when it didn't work, we just gave up. And we said, well, they're, they're, they're just lost. We're never going to work it out. And we've explained away, you know, our accountability to that conflict. We've explained away our responsibility to go work it out with that person. Jesus says, look, if it still doesn't work, take, take a mentor, a counselor, a trusted friend, somebody to help you. The goal, friends, is to resolve the conflict. Not to exacerbate it. The goal is to resolve the conflict. The goal is to restore the relationship. So know what you love. When you go to work out conflict, know what you love. The second thing is to work out the conflict at the source. Go to the person with whom you have this conflict and work it out with them. And then 
The third thing, the most important thing that we can do, friends, in the midst of our conflict is that as we are working out the conflict, once we have worked out the conflict, to do this very important thing to glorify God. Glorify God. Because Jesus says this in Matthew 18. He, he ends this teaching um, in Matthew 18, 17 through 20. He ends this teaching on conflict resolution with this. Truly, I tell you, Listen to this, friends. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if the two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Listen to this. For where two or three are gathered, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Now, maybe you've heard that last bit before. Maybe you've heard somebody say this phrase, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. And, and, and I've heard it as well, growing up in the church, I've, I've heard this. I, I've, I've heard it um, when, I've, when I've gone to a meeting when there's just a couple of us there. You know, and maybe we hope that there would be more people, but there's not. There's just, a, you know, a three of us in this room. And, and somebody has said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. And we're so glad we can be here with Jesus among us. And that is absolutely true. Jesus is absolutely there. But the context of the verse, in, in Matthew 18, 20, the context of the verse is Jesus talking about resolution. Jesus says when you have resolved conflict, when somebody has sinned against you and you have come together and said, I am sorry, and, and somebody else has said, I forgive you, when you have come together and resolved this conflict, I am there in that situation. Why? Because Jesus resolved the conflict of sin in our lives. Jesus said, when you resolve this conflict, you are modeling for the world what I have done for the world. When you have resolved the conflict, especially in the church. And, and the two of you have, have made peace now and, and, and get along and it's working together. And somebody else on the outside looks in and says, how, how did you resolve that? How could you have worked that out? It, it seemed like there was no way that you two could get along. How, how did that happen? We will get to tell them about the life-changing love of Christ. And say there was no way that I could have worked it out. By my own power, with my own ego, with everything going on in my life, there's no way I could have done it. The only way that it was possible is with Jesus in my life. And I am so thankful. Friends, we talked about it at the beginning. I want to remind you again, the church's healthy conflict resolution reflects the power of Christ. The church's healthy conflict resolution reflects the power of Christ. If we can't work out our conflict within the church, what hope do we have out in the world? If we can't solve the things that are going on here, and if you just imagine them at the, you know, at the wider level, I mean, the things that we have going on are incredibly minor to the problems that are going on out in the world. The way we resolve conflict the way we look at another person and we say, I am sorry. I have done wrong. And, and another person says, I forgive you. It tells the world that this is possible. So as we move out into the world today, I, I encourage you to do these two things. 
are, are, are incredibly important. As we move out in the world, practice this this week and really for the rest of our lives, I encourage you to do, to do this. Wherever you are, I encourage you to do this. Regardless of what you believe, I encourage you to do this. Uh, uh, this week and throughout your life, I hope that you will say, I am sorry. And when somebody says, I am sorry to you, that you will say, I forgive you. Friends, this will transform our lives. Some of us, it's been a while since we said, I am sorry. And we felt this tension build up in our bodies because we didn't want to say it, because we were afraid or we were taught or, or we believed that saying, I'm sorry, was some kind of weakness. I encourage you to say, I am sorry to somebody that you have wronged. And then when somebody says that to you, do not lord it over them. Then I say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to keep this here, and, and next time you do something, I'm going to throw it back into your face. You know, when somebody says, I'm sorry to you, there, there may be new boundaries in your relationship. You know, you may be able to say, you know, I forgive you, and this is how life is going to look from now on, but you are able to look at that person in the eye and say, I forgive you, not because I have some power that you don't have, but because I am relying on the power of Christ in me. To say, I am sorry and I forgive you. And friends, I hope that you will do this this week and throughout the rest of your life that you will stop gossip when you hear it. This is a disease, friends. It is a thing that should be protecting the body of Christ that is in fact tearing the body apart. And so when somebody comes to you and says, you won't believe what so-and-so said to me, say, what did they say when you talked to him about it? I, I think you ought to go work it out with that person. I, I think you really need to go talk to them about it. Friends, because if we can't work this out in the church, what hope do we have in the world? Friends, as I began, it seems like our world is, is deeply divided. And as we watch the news, as, as we think about the political spectrum in our nation, as we think about the ideological spectrum of our nation, as we think about the great disparity of wealth in our country, as we think about all the problems that are going on in our world today, we think that there is no possible way that these things could ever be bridged. There's no possible way that these people could ever get along. And truth be told, there is no way without the power of Christ. And friends, the world will never learn about it unless we show them what it's like. Will you pray with me? God, we pray for supernatural power of your Holy Spirit this morning. God, we have messed up. God, we have failed so many times in our life. And God, I, I pray that we would not be caught in a, in a spiral of guilt and shame, but that we would be set free through your sacrificial love. And God, I pray for your grace. You're a holy power within us as we move out into the world. That we would have the courage to look at somebody in the eye and say, I am sorry.
And that when somebody interacts with us, when somebody who has hurt us looks at us and says, I am sorry, that we would have the power to say, I forgive you. And in so doing, we would model what you have done for us. We ask it by the power of Jesus Christ, who came and lived and taught us even how to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.